and welcome to another episode of the Hope Mindful Compassion Show. My name is Paul Garrigan and I manage the Mindfulness Programme here at Hope. My name is Hank Navel and I am the Head Counselor here at Hope Rehab Thailand. So Hank, what we're going to talk about today is denial and this is a kind of a really huge, huge topic. Um, we don't want to go too much into the detail because there's so much information already out there but in your own words, I mean, how would you describe denial? Uh, denial is when you tell yourself that there isn't a problem when there is a problem. And why would people do that? Denial is a defense mechanism, a, a coping strategy, and it helps us to deal with uh, hard truths or harsh truths. And it's very helpful in certain situations. Can I give you an example of where it would be helpful? Um, if someone has a life threatening disease. Denial can be really helpful. It helps people to function. They can still talk if they deny the severity of the news they just had. I suppose it gives them time to process it, doesn't it? So that they can, yeah. Yeah, it's like a cushing to adjust to the new uh, reality. Okay. And how how does it develop in in regards to addiction? In addiction, people also develop denial, and basically all addicts are in denial, as all humans are, are in denial. And, um, I'm riding my motorbike in the mornings, and I'm in denial, and, and, but it helps me to ride it, basically. If I would think about what an accident would do to me and my body, and I, I would drive very different. Now, in addiction, so denial is a natural defense mechanism, right? But addiction hijacks the defense mechanism and instead of protecting us as a human being, it starts to protect our addiction. Mm-hmm. And addiction thrives in the denial the addict is in. And so, and when would this start? I mean, does it start, in, like for some people, would it more or less start as soon as they start, say, taking a drug or is this something that kind of develops over time? I mean, would someone kind of need to be in a, so with certain drugs at least to be at least in some denial right from the get-go I mean especially those drugs that have this reputation for being really kind of bad for us um, that's a really good point I think for everyone it starts at a different moment but rationally if you look at it how ma- much sense it does make to inject yourself with heroin you got to justify it in, in a certain way and denial can be a very helpful tool to do that and because you know many people die of heroin overdoses, so to, to put the needle in your arm for the first time meant that there is denial around it. Most often there is already an addiction at less hard substances, but uh, yeah, you gotta deny the reality to be able to do that. Yeah. I wonder would it be possible to kind of, you know, abuse these substances without being in at least some type of denial? Well, there is denial and there is a lack of knowledge. Mm. So, so there is a difference. In a cocaine addict, when you take cocaine, it increases the chance of a heart attack by about 20 or 25%. That doesn't make sense. But a lot of people are not aware. And on top of that, if you look at denial, there are two different types of denial. You have conscious denial and you have unconscious denial. Conscious denial would be, um, well... And a client in group and the whole group says like hey we are really worried for your decisions and they just absolutely deny the reality so they can do what they want but there's also unconscious denial 
Um, well, if we stick to addiction, a good example would be uh, during the years of addiction, we keep telling ourselves, it's not that bad, I'm okay, my family is okay, I still got a job, and then there is like denial around it. And So that'd be like minimization? Minimization, yeah, denying, denying the reality, yeah, minimizing the reality. So someone's whole life can fall apart, but they denying it and they keep looking at the job they still have and, and use that as being the evidence of them being functional. Right. Yeah. So, so I suppose I mean, from what, what I'm getting from what you're saying is that basically there's many types, there's many ways that denial can present itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I suppose that that makes it much harder to deal with. And, it, and it, you know, I suppose the problem with denial is that when you're in denial, you don't know you're in denial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the nature of the beast. So um, what would you say then? Are, are there like symptoms of denial? Uh, well, a good symptom is for an outsider to see if it does make sense mm. what the other person is uh, doing. So if someone's life is falling apart and, and, t- and he tells himself it's all okay, then you know, like, this is not okay. Eh? And, and how does someone justify that? And, and quite often that's by the use of denial. And what about, you know, if, if, someone, if you know, someone's getting very defensive, would that be a, kind of, could that be a sign of denial? Uh, I think it would be. Yeah. It's, it's so if someone like said to me, like, I got a number of people would say to me, you know, you drink too much, and I would get really, really annoyed with them. Mm. You know, and I think that's one of the ways I kind of uh, experienced it. <laughs> yeah, the denial is a defense mechanism on itself. So defensiveness and denial can be very connected, but they can also be seen as two different parts. Now, what you say is actually a really good example. You get defensive. And actually, you strengthen your defense mechanisms that are only protecting your addiction. Mm -hmm. So the defense mechanisms, we have them to protect ourselves. But when we are in addiction, it's not protecting our addiction. And I babysitting group also, when we we put the reality on the table, that the defenses come up. Yeah. yeah. So you you mentioned mentioned there a couple of times about Mm in-group. Now... And this surprise, you know, it shouldn't surprise me at all, but it, I think it is sometimes it must be surprising for people who don't know rehab because you would sort of expect that by the time people get to rehab that the denial is over. Is that your experience? Uh, that's not my experience. I can see the expectation, but when people come to rehab, they only stop drinking. Mm. The moment they walk through the door, they stopped drinking, but they still have all the behaviors, language, uh, uh, thought patterns of someone who is actively uh, using. And you say like some people are way more in denial than, than others, yeah? that, that's for every individual different, um, but everyone is in denial. Right. I, I would, even the people who, and there's also denial of denial, eh? mm. so people deny that they are in, in denial and I would say almost everyone is still in denial to some extent yeah, yeah. so and I suppose that would be especially true for people who kind of felt pressurized into, into coming to rehab and they're, they're doing it to get people off their back you know the, the first rehab I went to I, I, it wasn't nothing to do with me as far as I was concerned mm-hmm. I was doing it just purely for other people mm-hmm. and so 
what, what can you do when people arrive in rehab with all of this denial, especially if they have a, have a, have a lot of denial? I mean, is there, can rehab benefit them even? Yes, absolutely. Because leaving people in their denial, we're leaving them in their addiction, basically. Mm. Now, of course, it's a process. So we're not, when, when someone comes in, we're not going to sit and say, like, yeah, these are all the things you're doing wrong. It, it's a process. If we could sort it all out in one day, then treatment would be one day, basically. Yeah? So we start a process. And we have exercises where people look at the reality. So they work out all kinds of branches using mind maps. They work out all the branches and they're really gonna practice their honesty in, in how, what is the reality of my problem. And when people have a good perception of the size of their problem, eh, when they stop denying it, like this is the reality, how hard it is to, to my feelings, but how hard it is, then we have a really good start for treatment. So what, what would you say then, so you've, you've kind of said it, but what would you say then is the key component then of breaking through denial? Is it, is it that you have a fantastic counsellor or therapist or is it something different? They need help, mm. clearly, because you can't spot self-deception in yourself. That's really, right. and that's impossible. So we have the exercises on an individual basis. But we also use it a lot in the group because groups have, are powerful. Eh? So we have a bunch of people who are all trying to get well. But some people are here six weeks while the other people are here six days. And they learn from each other because basically they all have similar patterns. But some people are more on the way to success than other people. And, and to create that connection and, and bond to, to help each other forward. Like, hey, I did the same. And Why never, is that? Why, why is that the more on, uh, more on the road to success than others? Because some people have had more treatment than others. Oh, just purely down to that? Yeah, yeah. If someone had six weeks of treatment or six days, there's a significant difference in understanding addiction, understanding behaviors, understanding constructive behavior and destructive behavior. And that's, that's a part of growth. And it's, it's more powerful when the group brings it all up and finds a solution then that we do it. Mm. Well, we guide the process, of course, and, and give them all the needed information, but we, we use a lot of the power of the group. And why doesn't it always work? Why do some, I mean, have you seen people come in here in denial and basically leave with the same amount of denial? Sadly, I need to say yes. Um, letting go of denial and facing reality is really hard basically and that's why we've been denying it the whole time and sometimes we have a person who's not ready to let go I think you, you gave the uh, an example for yourself yeah. like yeah I wasn't ready I wasn't for other people I kept holding on to my defense mechanisms I kept protecting my addiction eh? so treatment wasn't uh, helpful now no matter if they're in denial or not they're gonna learn a lot just by staying here, just because of the therapy. Because I'm just thinking now, you know, like, you know, basically, if you have say 29 people, mm -hmm. and as well as the counselors, like telling you, you know, that you know you're in denial, it must be it must be incredibly kind of crafty or just kind of get through that without actually letting go of your denial. I mean, so how do people manage it in your? Like, is it a case that they just go along with things or? 
Uh, yeah, that's for every individual uh, different. Uh, but when, when you help someone from a therapeutic perspective, there is always uh, a balance needed between support and confrontation. Now, if someone is in a huge amount of denial but doesn't want to stay longer as 30 days, we can get quite far. But some people need more treatment than that. And, and denying the necessity of treatment to make treatment a success. Because if people do treatment one time right, they never have to do it again. Mm -hmm. But that denial around the necessity of it, that can be uh, a huge obstacle. Huge obstacle. And we, we talk with the people, we do those exercises so they get a the better understanding. And most people say, like, yeah, actually, if I want to take this serious, I, I need a bit more time. But, but yes, yeah, for everyone, different. And I wish I could say we only have success stories, but some people aren't ready. Some people are struggling. Some people are holding on to their denial. But for the majority, for the people who are ready, we can teach them an enormous amount in a very short period of time. That will help them to stay to, to get well and to stay clean and sober. Uh, I mean, the way you mostly describe it seems to be a, a process mm -hmm. of getting over denial. But have you ever kind of seen it where, um, you know, someone has just, it's really just clicked with them, mm -hmm. like, like very suddenly? Have you, does that ever happen, that people just suddenly kind of, you know, see through their denial? Constant, yeah. With counseling sessions, group sessions... They constantly get eye-openers and realizations eh? because self-evaluation leads to self-improvement and self-improvement leads to self-management. And self-management is how we achieve long-term abstinence. So by self-evaluation, with help from the counselors in the group, people get an enormous amount of realizations and awareness and that will uh, really stimulate the path of growth. And that must be nice for the counsellors, is it, when that happens? That's amazing, yeah. yeah. We just did the goodbyes of two clients who have done very well in their uh, treatment. Uh, they're both from Australia, actually. And the growth they've been through, and they both stayed six weeks, the growth they had is enormous. They're completely changed persons from the moment they came in and where they are now. But they took the things on board, they've done the work, they've done really well, and, and then we... Yeah, then we can set them up for success, yeah, absolutely. And what would you say is the kind of goal? I mean, are we expecting clients to leave here with all their denial gone? Or is that kind of an unreasonable expectation? That's an unreasonable expectation. Um, denial is such a part of life, in general, that we always will have a bit of denial left. Eh? And the denial around addiction... We try to take away as much as we can because it only protects the addiction. And can it come back? It can come back, yeah. After people stay sober for a year or two years, that they start convincing themselves that having a few drinks is okay by now. And then they slip back into their denial and start building a case to pick up again. Yeah, it does and how can, they, how can people like stop that from happening? By keep working their recovery. And in the beginning, after treatment, eh, the, the first year is like a huge transition period. And we go from always drinking and using to not drinking and using. So to build up that new life. And, and I would say after a year, people have found a new routine. They're used to deal with situations without alcohol. They build recovery friendships. 
and then they come in a sort of maintenance uh, phase. Uh, my first months of sobriety, I did meetings every day and stuff, but now I just do maintenance. Eh? So mm. I do do my meetings, but I'm not going every day. I just do exercise or meditation. I go for a massage, ride my motorbike. I've, I've built a life, but I'm always having that uh, connection because m my addict side, if I give that room to grow, at one stage it will start convincing me that it's okay by then. And I mean, you mentioned your own kind of recovery. Have because um, there's different types of denial. Would you say that you've gone through you know episodes of denial since you stopped drugs? Um, and is there any of them you could kind of sh talk about? If you that's a good point. I I if I would describe my path from actively using to recovery, it's a bit like an onion. And every time I went to treatment, we peeled further. So I've done five long-term treatments, four times three months, one time six months, and I have a few I didn't finish. But during those treatments, every time we got further. But my obstacles were, I'm going to do it my way. I know what's best for me. I don't need to listen. I can still hang out with my using friends. I can still go to my own environment. I can still smoke a bit of weed as long as I don't do cocaine. All those justifications... Of for not taking advice on board. I denied the necessity of listening to the people who were trying to help me. And my denial has been protecting my addiction for many years. And sometimes the um, uh, security of misery can be more comforting than the insecurity of recovery. Mm -hmm. and then we come a bit more into the comfort zone of, of people and my comfort zone was using using friends and I denied the necessity of letting go of my using friends my using environment because basically every treatment center they told me the same they're good treatment, good people they really tried to help me I just didn't listen and I denied that I needed to listen and in my last treatment center I had uh, a lady, Oriel, she, she was awesome, she was 8 years of alcohol at the time and she told me I needed to take the cotton out of my ears and stick them in my mouth because if I didn't stop talking and started listening I would go straight back to my misery again and somehow it really stuck with me that that's, uh, 7 years later I still remember her saying that um, and it helped me to start taking it on board now I started changing because of I couldn't live like I was living anymore and the treatments before that I just wasn't ready to make the changes I needed to make to get my life on track I denied I was in denial about the necessity of doing that so Enric again people who aren't uh, quite ready to go to rehab mm -hmm. or family members who are dealing with people with addiction problems who aren't quite ready to come to rehab what advice would you give these people in regards to overcoming denial now before, like at least somewhat before they get to rehab enough to get at least come to rehab well what we see a lot in family members is they enable the addiction and that will only support the denial of the addict about the necessity to change. If you cook their food, clean their room, pay their rent, uh, drive them where they need to be driven, eh? give them money for the drugs, this person doesn't have a problem. So they will deny 
that the addiction is a problem. So the best thing is to stop supporting the person because we're only supporting the addict. When someone can't deny anymore that his addiction has a huge impact on his life, that's when people start contemplating uh, to get help. Now, that can be a process of weeks, but it can also be a process of years. Mm. Did that work in your case? Um, that's a good question, actually. My parents have never really enabled me. They've never given me money for the drugs whatsoever, but I was just, let's call it inventive about mm. creating money or getting money. I'm saying it with a smile, but actually it's really sad if I look into to the extent I was going to fund my addiction. Um, but it's a big thing, enabling the addiction. I'm, I'm unsure a bit how to answer your question. Just to... I think you've done really well. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I got a bit lost over is there. there. Is there any... Um, so we have a post on the website at the moment about denial, but is there any other resources you could recommend for people who, who want to find out more about this topic? And you mean for family members? Or for family members or for both? What would be really helpful for family members? Because what we see with family members, they do the best they can to help the end. Mm. And they have the right intentions, they go to any length, but sometimes it can only work against it. So to get help, and it can be a counselor, I always a good understanding of addiction, it can be Al-Anon, and that's like groups of people for the family members where they discuss control, enabling, um, setting healthy boundaries, all that kind of things. That would be a really good first step because addiction has a huge impact on the whole family mm. and it's it's really good for family members to get some support because most family members do the best they can and with some support they can really s- structure it, guide it, that it really supports the person and not the addiction. It makes a lot of sense. Well, that's been really good, Hank. Thanks for your time. Yeah, maybe I should say... it. If a, if a family member of someone is listening and say like, hey, I have a few questions come up, they're always uh, welcome to give us a call. And, and they don't need to book uh, their son or so, but just to answer the questions. We're, we're happy to do that and help them forward. Brilliant. And they can do that through the, the number on the website? Yeah, yeah. They can call Simon, they can call me or Natalie. We're very happy to have or a send chat. Or uh, send an email. Uh, addiction is a horrible thing. And, and I got clean because other people reached out uh, to us, to, and to me and my family, and helped us to get through this difficult situation. That's brilliant. Thanks very much, Hank. That's, that's really good.